So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. And this is our first off-season podcast. We're going to do a free agency special today. We're going to go through all the big moves that have happened, look at some of the smaller moves and kind of see where we think people have gone good, gone bad, gone fucking terrible. Alright, so hey guys, we've got myself here, Connor, we've got Harry. Hello. And we've also got Fitz dialed in from Cork. Hello. So, how's yourselves, lads? Any crack? Uh, still coming down from the weekend, to be honest with you. Had a bit of a bit of a heavy one there now, so... Ah, uh, very good. recovery. have got a Guinness in front of me, though, so let's all look it up. Ah, that's it, yeah. I've got one of the fabulous Tesco brand lagers. Enjoy them now, folks. As soon as minimum pricing comes in, these babies are gone. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Fitz? Any crack? Uh, no, quite enough. Obviously, this is our national week of drinking in, in Ireland uh, for our, our St. Paddy's, St. Paddy's Week, St. Paddy's Week depending which side of the Atlantic you're on. So, yeah, get a, it's a bank holiday over here, so you get a couple of extra days off. So looking forward to a nice, some nice weather around here. So it should be a nice week to, to get ahead of that. Oh, yeah. Did you see the pictures that we're doing the rounds today online? The uh, Nocton's in Galway getting restocked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. There's like, it's Paddy's Day for sure. They've got like seven times the amount of kegs they normally have sat outside. Uh, any plans for Paddy's Day? I might have to work. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't mind Paddy's day in town is is a nightmare anyway so yeah, realistically work and then maybe head to somebody's house in the evening but going out and that's always a, yeah, always imagine, a mess imagine it'd be a bit nasty down here I haven't done one down in Dublin before and I wouldn't really want to I don't think uh, I'm heading up to, to Donegal for it so up to see the folks the, uh, oh yeah the annual Temple Bar stream presumably oh, yeah the, you've seen that the live stream of Temple Bar oh it's, yeah oh and it just looks <laughs> horrible yeah it's just like literally just a sea of people like sh- like literally just jammed shoulder to shoulder just just people and leprechaun hats mm. and you're like why would you want to be there if anyone people in inverted commas if, <laughs> if, if, if any of the internationalists <laughs> want to see this it is hilarious it's a uh, Temple Bar is very popular part of Dublin it gets very very busy with tourists but on Paddy's Day it just gets wedged so there's a crew of people that do live webcams uh, so you can see the crowd going through and it is absolutely brutal looking it's just oh especially you get to like 9 o'clock and you just see like live streams of people like getting sick in the streets yes. while like no one can move away from them because of the weight of the people surrounding them that's 9 o'clock in the morning by the yeah, way it's just <laughs> oh it is not nice it is not nice at all by the way lads this is the most important thing uh, it's my birthday and I'm doing a fucking podcast with you lads how sad is my life <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no so should be should be good crack anyway yeah so I suppose we're going to have a look at we're, we're not going to have much of a news section this week because we're going to focus mostly on the on the free agency stuff I think the one thing that we'll kind of throw in because it is relevant uh, news wise will just be some of the retirements that happened so there's been quite a few of those uh, kicking off there's one particular I know someone, some of us are itching to, to, to talk about we'll say that one till the end I think um, some of the some of the big names that are gone Megatron uh, in an interesting term of events has decided to retire quite early for someone who many believe is was the best receiver in the game for a number of years and so on what do we make of this we, we kind of discussed this briefly on the previous podcast about the potential for this and we kind of went through whether it was a great idea any any thoughts now that he's made it official guys yeah i think it's i think it's what we you know what we thought it was the inevitability of the the injuries like there have been now is it two or three years where he hasn't basically hasn't been able to practice fully you've just got to look after your own health and look it's a shame the game will be less good without him but you've got to respect somebody's decision at that point to look after their own health and their own body. Yeah, no, of course. How did yourself, Fitz? Yeah, it's a major loss for the game, but I think for himself, obviously the team isn't really going anywhere. I don't think anyone's really expecting him to make a good a push for the Super Bowl this year, so I think 
if his health was failing, and he certainly seems to have been, you know, on the down slope for the last couple of years, that taking care of himself is probably what's best for himself and for his family. So fair play to him, and he should be a Hall of Famer, I reckon, uh, mm. when he comes up to it in a five years' time. Yeah, like we'll see. I think I think that's one that will be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think yeah. that, that I don't know if it'll be first ballot, but yeah, he should get in eventually. There's, I think, I think one thing that he might suffer from in that is that he's not exactly the most. He doesn't love the media. He doesn't love talking and all kind of stuff. And like, there's quite a lot of politics around that stuff, and it does help to stay in the public eye and to be involved. Like, it's much, it's much easier to get there if you are a coach or something following on from it. If you're staying in football and they see you that way, but yeah, yeah, but like that, that's very true. And I think also obviously the lack of postseason success will hurt him. Uh, but you know, in the end, of the, at the end of the day, generally speaking, with the Hall of Fame, transcendental talent does get recognised, and I think I think Fitz is on the nose. He's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of exactly what you say, but he is going to get in there after a few goes. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we'll see. Like after a couple of years, there'll be a campaign kind of oh, big time pushing yeah. to get him in. You can imagine it. Uh, it's a lot of Lions fans with brown bags on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> One chap, Jared Allen, literally rode off into the sunset. He announced his retirement on the on the back of a horse and rode off. Uh, although, if I remember correctly, he timed it slightly wrong and didn't have a sunset to ride off into, so he just rode off. <laughs> uh, he's uh, again a very good player for most of his career. He like, had some good years with the Chiefs, did great years after that. Uh, he had his problems as well. He had some problems with uh, with drinking and with. Uh, some people saying he had some attitude problems, but he had a very long and very successful career. Yeah, not much to add to that. I think that's pretty much the state of the state of play there. He's a very solid contributor, mm. uh, not not exactly you know ne- never the best at his position. Yeah, and a guy who was a bit dependent on the scheme, as we saw this season where it wasn't working out, and then yeah. Carolina where it worked a bit better. You're sort of looking at this being kind of a almost Brian Urlacher type yeah. level of guy, except Urlacher is stupid enough to think he can have a media career and Jared Allen isn't. Yeah, he's he he an incredibly consistent player, was Jared Allen. He, uh, I think he had like a run of five seasons in a row where he had at least 12 sacks every season. Like he was just, he was always a good contributor, always a valuable piece to have there. But I think, yeah, I think he's kind of, he's in that top, top, top of the middle, essentially, like the, the, the best of the not the greatest. What about yourself, Fitz? Anything to add on Jared Allen? Yeah, like, as you said, like I think his biggest contribution was just consistency. Like, he was like a, a very effective 4-3 defensive end getting to the getting to the passer. And, like, that's a position which has actually increased in a lot of value over the last uh, three, four, five years. Perhaps didn't get as much recognition uh, as he could have, but he had a really successful career. I'm sure he made a lot of money, so hopefully he enjoys his retirement. Yeah, no, of course. Okay, I'll, st- I'll stay with you for the next one, Fitz. Uh, Mankins is also retired. What do you make of uh, of, of his contributions? Yeah, I, like he was a solid, you know, a solid offensive lineman. Like you know, it, all, it always helps to be on a, on a winning type of team uh, for a significant amount of your career <laughs> uh, and be protecting one of the best quarterbacks uh, of all time, if not the best quarterback of all time. Uh, Harry can debate that to himself. But yeah, like he, he was an effective guard. He did what he was needed, and obviously the Patriots were known for many years for having one of the best offensive lines, and he was part of that. Uh, obviously, as an offensive lineman, it's really hard to evaluate them or to have statistics which says here's what they did, mm-hmm. uh, except for like the all-time greats. Anyone who's kept on my bill check for that long was probably doing something right. Obviously, his career kind of came ended with a damp squib in Tampa Bay, yeah. but you know. I think he could be happy enough with a with a career like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I think Bags is the one that uh, Belichick came out and said he was the best lineman he ever coached, which is high praise from 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 Bill Belichick. 
man of few words. Yeah, he, no, yeah, he did have an extremely solid career in, in New England. He was for a very long time very core part of that offensive line. Obviously, age caught up with him, injuries caught up with him, and uh, the Patriots moved him on at the right time, as it looks like now. Yeah, um, yeah, disappointing end, obviously, in in Tampa. Not only just his own injury injuries catching up with him, but also the situation he moved into was not fantastical. Perhaps mm. a little bit more positive this year than the previous one. But uh, yeah, like a, just a guy who we remembered as a solid contributor will probably, I'd say, actually probably at some point end up in the Patriots Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah, no. Bet Belichick have anything to do with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he will. <laughs> the next name on our list is uh, Heath Miller, uh, who had a very long career, I believe. Uh, I'm just thinking back, it's like, that's a, that's a name I've been hearing for, for, for far longer than I would have expected to have been hearing that name for. But uh, again, hung up the cleats there. What are you thinking, Harry? Any thoughts? Yeah, like, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously we saw his sort of decline over the last season or two actually probably affect how the Steelers played, which was quite interesting. And now obviously they've gone out and uh, picked up the replacement, but we'll, we'll get into that at a later stage. But again, like I know we've sort of gone through this a bit, a guy who was just super consistent mm. on that offense and was like that safety blanket with Roethlisberger. So much of the offense was based around him being that outlet mm. when things aren't working, when he can't heave it long. This is a guy who can... Who can make the plays? So he'll be again. He'll be he'll be a le- he'll be a legend in in Pittsburgh. Any guy who's got their own chant mm. is is going to be that. And I think he'll be you know recognised as just one of the sort of really who who is very much a key part of an extremely explosive offense in his own way, while definitely not being up in the in the upper yeah. tier at no, any point. Uh, I'll go to you, Fitz, on the next one. Uh, old man Hasselbeck has decided that his <laughs> he wants to keep those three bones that are not currently <laughs> turned into talcum powder. In. <laughs> complete and has decided to hang up his cleat any any thoughts other than thank Christ that he's not going to be there to get injured like obviously he like the for Seattle he was an amazing pickup he took the team at a time when it was like kind of very low ebb after the 90s and took them to their first Super Bowl and his was the beast mode game so he's associated with a lot of positive memories for the team and making them relevant during the mid noughties Last year, you saw he could still be an effective quarterback. He did quite well filling in for Andrew Luck, but you did see that being a 40-year-old brought in, like who isn't playing every week, and then brought in, and we saw that obviously with certain other quarterbacks that we'll talk about, that bringing near 40-year-olds or 40-year-olds in to the NFL is a recipe to see people get hurt. There was a couple of times during the season where we were a bit uncomfortable watching him like struggle to breathe effectively after getting hit by these <laughs> uh, monstrous defensive players that are around these days. For the Seahawks, he'll obviously get into the ring of, ring of honor for them. You know, he had a very good career for someone who obviously started off as a backup, as a relatively low pick in Green Bay, and I think he'll be happy enough. And he's got a good, sweet gig in ESPN, as far as I know. Yeah. So he, we should be seeing plenty more of him uh, over the next few years, I assume. That's it. And uh, Harry, I'm going to you on the next one. Uh, BJ Raji is also decided to retire. Yeah, uh, that's also, again, been coming. Uh, injuries affected him. I think he missed all of last season and a good chunk of this mm. one as well. Um, in his prime, he was an extremely effective player in the middle of the line, playing either inside or outside, oh. D-E-L-E, uh, sorry, deep D-T or L-E, uh, depending on where. It's something that I think Green Bay can definitely absorb because they've sort of had him in patches over the last yeah. while. Obviously, they've had some issues uh, with that defensive line, but they've had some talent emerge um, this season in the middle of it. So, you know, I don't think that's going to be a huge one. Again, he's a guy who had an extremely, well, extremely solid career, um, sometimes playing playing at a very, very high level. Um, although not perhaps as consistent as some of the other contra- contributors we've discussed today. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be missed to an extent in Green Bay in the sense of just, you know, who he was and being one of those players that built 
they built the D-line around for a while, but mm. perhaps not so much in the physical sense because his absence has been kind of happening for the last little while. Yeah, so that's a big plus for them. Yeah. If there's a plus to take of it is that they Four have been... favourite. Yeah. yeah. But they have, they have essentially been transitioning or understanding that they're transitioning from him. So it, it, it's not going to come as a surprise, <laughs> I don't think, at any rate. Um, and then, of course, the big one, the very important one that everyone is very interested in, Peyton Manning, the sheriff, apparently. The sheriff. The sheriff, yeah. I want to know the marketing like company which came up with that. Like, yeah, he's the <laughs> sheriff now. What I liked was, I was on another podcast, they were discussing that apparently the other nickname that he had was uh, was the Neanderthal. Uh, or the caveman <laughs> and I completely get it the massive slope forehead thing <laughs> that's a much better one for him or or rapist yeah yeah <laughs> that's a caveman treatment of women was Neanderthal yeah that's uh, probably unfair on Neanderthals allegedly sorry. allegedly uh, allegedly unfair on Neanderthals well no we're only discussing uh, you know brow shapes which are associated or you know stereotypes being associated with certain behaviours or criminal acts. Glafford is making a comeback. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's big time, big time. No specific claims were made about individuals. Next season is all about quinoa, TRX, and phrenology for <laughs> drafting processes. Yeah, so Peyton's retired. We all saw this coming. Uh, some some people still reckon that he's he's contemplating still coming back. I don't think that's it. But yeah, so, uh, so retirement has happened for Peyton, and I think they're just all hoping that no one will ask any questions about the stuff that was coming out about him and his, uh, his time at the universities. In fact, at the, at the retirement press conference, he was asked this question by one reporter, which is shocking in itself that no one else thought it would be useful to ask this question. And apparently that reporter has been slated since, going, oh, this is, show some respect, this is his retirement party. Like, fuck right off with that stuff. Just, just in case anyone who's listening to this doesn't have an idea, I'm going to let Harry, because Harry's very angry about this, give a quick synopsis of what was going on. So, when at the University of Tennessee, cutting to the chase of what happened, Peyton Manning dragged his naked arse and balls over the face of a female athletic trainer. Once that had happened, the university, basically, uh, athletic program, and the, the, the coach of the football team in particular, tried to hush it up by um, basically literally offering a specific black athlete for the woman to pin the accusation on. Now, she refused. A lot of Manning's teammates were apparently, the evidence that's come out, were actually extremely uncomfortable with the whole situation. One of them wrote him a letter a few years later just begging him to like basically come clean him into what he'd done. Manning never did. Uh, his father got involved. Things got very, very nasty. There was a case... Uh, was taken and eventually settled out of court, as these things inevitably are. Part of that was a basically just, we don't talk about this. Since then, Manning has on three occasions violated that to basically bury this woman, including in his uh, authorised biography slash autobiography, where they posted the relevant extracts to her in her new job, which resulted in her losing that job. So it's not just a case of what he did, which is awful, but the fact that for... Literally decades afterwards, himself and his father went out of their way to ruin any semblance of career the woman that he did it to could have and constantly smear her in public, which is just... The initial thing is bad enough, but that is just so unbelievably vindictive and arrogant and a sign of just how absolutely untouchable he had become. And that's what we saw at that press conference when somebody brought it up. The reaction at the time about respect and the reaction on social media afterwards of people saying, you can't ask him about this, he's a legend, is just appalling. Oh, it's just and, terrible. And there's, there's more details in there, but that's mm. a broad overview. Yeah, like, it's, it's just shocking stuff. Like, Peyton's a scumbag. <laughs> the one thing the one thing that I found that was good at this, I always disliked Peyton Manning, 
And uh, now I just feel very vindicated in thinking he's been a prick this whole time. So it turns out he is just a really, really, really horrible person. And his family are involved. And it's just, it's just a disgusting story. And the fact that this came out, Peyton has been all over the media and all the discussions have been about him. And no one's actually dealt with this thing. And no one's said... Let's hold him to account for this. Like, it's just ridiculous. And the difference between this and what's interesting, so the HGH story, right? The other allegation against Manning and the one that's so actually substantially less proven than this one was, because obviously there was a case that was out of court settlement. The documents are available. And that's why this story came to prominence again. In that, you saw Manning launch incredibly aggressive defence because he knew he had to, because this is something that can stick. With this, he's just been like, no, we're not going to talk about it. And everyone's just been like, you know what? We're not going to talk about it because, yeah. oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, Fitz, any, any thoughts on this? Yeah, like I think Harry pretty much covered it comprehensively. It's not that surprising. Like the NFL is a business, and like sports journalism in general, especially especially the NFL, uh, it's kind of a closed cloister kind of thing. You're gonna have to toe the line. I'm sure there's plenty of journalists who've had plenty of stories that they wanted to tell or think that people should know, but for commercial reasons don't. I'm sure this might come out. Will continue to leak out over the next few years or continue to make noise. But you know, five years from now, he'll still get his uh, his like Hall of Fame jacket. His gold jacket. And people yeah. will continue to keep it silent. It's just one of those things which we just kind of have to deal with. It's kind of one of the dark sides of the game, uh, along with stuff like the concussions. Yeah, it's just it's just unacceptable, and it's it's just that thing of just the way it's been handled and the way that. We, we've said this about a couple of issues before. Just the way that the people that surround the NFL and the people that make it up have reacted to it and the way that they just kind of instantly go, look, this isn't a big deal. We're not going to talk about this for the sake of appearances or for the sake of not pissing off Peyton Manning and his dad or whatever it is. Like, it's it's just unacceptable. So fuck you, Peyton Manning. We're happy to see the back of you. Not just because you played in my division, because <laughs> you're actually just a wank stain few other little bits. We had lots of tags, so players that didn't make it to free agency. Uh, like, there's a good few of them. Von Miller, Cousins, Norman, Wilkerson, Berry, Jeffrey, Cordy Glenn, Tucker, uh, Tremaine Johnson, Vernon. Um, is there, like, anyone you want to talk about in particular on this? I suppose... Well, obviously, the big thing we'll talk about uh, later is obviously that the Vernon one got... the was a transition tag, which got revoked. In terms of the ones that didn't get revoked, uh, Von Miller was obviously highly expected... And that was the exclusive tag, which play which pays the top five average, I think. Yeah. So he was like, that's you can't even offer two first round picks, which is the uh, usual tag uh, to get him. I think Cousins is obviously was looks like a good move considering the money that was thrown around for quarterbacks. Yeah. So I think they made a smart move there, and you know the rest of them are all very deserving of it. And then you see you have the token uh, kicker transit tag. Yeah. Uh, for Justin Tucker for the Ravens there. So yeah, nothing unexpected there. Most of these are, are relatively good players. There's a couple there I'd be like, Cordy Glenn, Tremaine Johnson, maybe a bit iffy on, but yeah, I think we'll 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 hear hear more about them over the offseason anyway. I actually I actually disagree with you on Cordy Glenn. I think he's been one of the best left tackles in the league. I think his play in Buffalo has been spectacular and I think he's sort of bizarrely because of all the Ferrari around Richie Incognito coming back, it's kind of got lost that he has really anchored that O line and I think for a team that is, you know, still a little unsure about the quarterback. Tyra Taylor is still relatively untested and still has some issues. Um, and is sort of reliant on, on a run game. Having, like, a guy like that who is an absolute rock, I think that's actually a really, really good move by Buffalo to make sure he's there moving forward. I just realised when you said it there, Richie Incognito is a great name for a Richie Rich uh, porno. <laughs> he just goes looking at porn on the internet. <laughs> Lads, that's that's getting copyrighted tomorrow. Like, <laughs> there's no way, there's not money in that. <laughs> Do you 
Two quick other points as well. Uh, the Chiefs has lost some picks. Apparently they've been brought up for tampering during the offseason. Um, they lost the third rounder this year, was it? Third rounder this year and the seventh rounder the year afterwards. Um, there's a lot of stories swirling around this that obviously it's massively inconsistent what other people have been given and stuff. The fact yeah. that there were players signed before this to other teams before this phone call took place and stuff but um yeah like the i think from from what i gather one of the weird ones on this is that a lump of the players and another lump of interest groups want to change the regulation around this and see this as a good case for it in that basically the really weird way it works at the moment is there's a two-day period i think where where a team can contact the person's agent sign a deal and like literally sign a player to a four-year contract without that player having spoken to or visited their new employers. And interestingly enough, the um, Brock Osweiler's press conference after signing for the signing for the Texans, which we'll be talking about a little bit, he admitted to tampering in it because he said um, he was talking about how they couldn't get to the right numbers and he said, look, yeah, like when we came to this decision, I sat down... I talked with my agent, I talked with the guys in Houston and we came to a number and now I'm here. And this was announced, his signing was announced before the tampering period was over. Oh dear. So he's accidentally announced it. But yeah, essentially the problem is a load of the players want to change this regulation so they can have the conversation themselves and be involved and they want to use this as a mechanism to it. But obviously, I think the Chiefs are more interested in just getting whatever draft picks they lose downgraded. They haven't They haven't questioned, said, look, it happened, but I think this is a bit harsh punishment-wise. So The other bit of news as well, which is going to have an impact on both changes to the free agency and changes to the approach to uh, the draft, most likely, is that Martavis Bryant at the moment is suspended for the entire of next season. What do we make of this, lads? Is this going to have a big impact? Yeah, he's an incredibly, he was an incredibly streaky player last year. But when he was on form, he was uh, like really, really, really good. Uh, and obviously, when pairing him with someone like Antonio Brown, that made the Steelers incredibly scary. I think losing him means that we'll need to see more from Wheaton and from Hayward Bay. Uh, and I think like Coates is the guy that they're they're picking up now as their like younger player. But I think this will have an effect. But I think like I think still think the Steelers have enough weapons there to uh, probably have a good year. But yeah, it's it's a it's a loss for him. And he's had a long history of of substance abuse, and I think he's going into uh, going to a clinic for depression now. So you know, for now, the, the main thing is that hopefully he can get his career back on track, and that this won't become a a long running uh, Browns type thing, basically. Yeah, I think it's pretty much spot on. Um, kind of raw guy, but somebody who could absolutely take the lid off defenses mm. when he when he when he was playing as well as he could. He's definitely the second best receiver on the roster. Um, I think Wheaton and Hayward Bain particularly Hayward Bay and Coates are a significant step down but then again Pittsburgh have rarely had all of their offensive players on the field at the same time yeah. uh, over the last season or two so they'll probably be able to adapt around it they do as you say have a lot of weapons but it does uh, it does take away a guy, a guy who's got more ability to open up games than Wheaton or Coates would have mm-hmm. so it will be interesting to see if they dip in somewhere to to try and replace that explosiveness and uh, big play potential. Yeah, no, and it's always, it's always, it's always a worry as well when you look at kind of a promising young player and you see them missing a year and stuff. Oh, like yeah. I, all I'm thinking back to is like people like uh, like like Blackman and stuff like that there, where they they had problems with the substance abuse stuff and then they couldn't they could never get their their careers back on track. Um, Josh Gordon as well. Josh Gordon is one, but Very I think tough. I think at the moment they are I think they're they're still hopeful to be getting him back he's, this year. He's still under contract, yeah. Yeah, and they've uh, I, th- I believe they've applied for reinstatement for him. The the Browns have, but uh, 
Sure, we'll see how that goes. Uh, best of luck to them. So yeah, I suppose let's move on and have a look at some of the winners, losers and in-betweeners of free agency. So there's obviously more than just the ones we're going to discuss now and we're going to talk about a lot more afterwards. But uh, like we're going to focus in on six teams that we think are either doing really well, really badly or are doing something vaguely interesting. So in the winners section, we're going to look initially at, and it makes me sick, sick to say this, the, the fucking Raiders. They've had a fantastic offseason so far. Now, it helps they've got a fucking boatload of money to spend. Um, they've spent quite a lot on uh, on interesting pieces. They stole one of my boys. They stole uh, Sean Smith, who was expecting them to, to take, actually. I was just like, that's that's so going to happen. But it's okay, we got one back in them. We got Rod Streeter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so they spent a big chunks on Irvin, uh, Osmanic, a few other guys. Uh, they've got a couple of players that are looking to lock up long-term, a couple of contracts that need to get sorted. This is looking like a very intimidating team. They're getting their line looking good. They're getting their defense looking strong. They've got a young and I think very good quarterback. They've got good weapons for him. They need to pick up some more, obviously. But like, I'm genuinely thinking this is this might be the year that the Raiders come up and properly challenge. At the end of the season, we were talking about this. We we're like, where are the Raiders weak? The backfield and the O line. And look, they've gone out and they've got uh, Osmele, who is a top level O lineman. They've gone out and they've got Sean Smith. Now Sean Smith is. Perhaps a little limited in what he can do, but he's very, very good at what he can do. Yeah. Man coverage and press situations. He's a big, physical kind of guy, which is what they need. And also, he's been around for a while. He knows his stuff. He might replace some of the leadership they were going to lose in the backfield with yeah. Woodson retiring, although safety is now also obviously a concern for yeah. for Oakland. But it's been it's been smart. And Bruce Irvin, again, you know, you don't have um, Smith there because he's mm. going to be suspended. So what do you do? You go out and get Bruce Irvin, who's not a world beater, but he's a guy who can do a bunch of things really well and like will add a lot of different options and, and ability to play to that what is already quite a good-looking D-line. So you look at the Raiders now, and you're like, if these, obviously, these things can always go wrong, but if these gel and if these work out, it becomes very unclear where the weakness on this team is. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, kind of scary from your own yeah. your own position. We're, so we're, we're saying this earlier. It's like, this is tough division. This division is looking like it's going to be fucking tough as balls. And San Diego. Yeah, and San Diego. <laughs> the, the also-rans. <laughs> that's it. Like we, we were saying this beforehand, and I think it's still true even for San Diego this year. It's like they don't have depth, but if they if they were able to keep most of that most of that starting roster healthy, they have a hell of a team. And we'll talk about some of their acquisitions and stuff. They've they've gotten a few nice pieces together. Well, I think the important thing for the Raiders and why people are positive about them is that this is a continuation of a couple of off-seasons of good moves. Like, when Reggie McKenzie got in there, they were in kind of salary cap hell. They had a lot of, like, very old free agents accumulated over the years. And he he added to that in his first year or so. But over the last, like, two or three seasons, they've slowly purged the old people out of the roster and built around these young pieces. Like, they have their quarterback. They have their number one wide receiver. They have a defensive star. And now they're adding in a smart way, using the cap money that they've created, getting players who are good and who fit the scheme. Like, Irvin is coming to uh, Oakland, but one thing to note is that they got Ken Norton Jr., who was a Seahawks uh, defensive coach. So they've put him, put him in an important position there in that defense. So I think you're, you're seeing an actual logic to it now, so it doesn't seem like they kind of like just buy whatever comes off the shelf. Uh, which we'll see from some of the teams later on. There kind of seems to be at least some plan there. I think that's a major thing because, like, uh, Reggie McKenzie was saying that players 
were actually ringing up and saying, I want to join the Raiders, I actually want to be there. And he was saying that previously, obviously, they pretty much had to go begging and offering bags of cash to anyone to talk to them. So I think that shows there's a turnaround in the perception of the Raiders. I think that's as important as anything to kind of showing you that momentum. And that means the players are more likely to buy into that as a whole. And I think that's why the Raiders aren't the winner just for this offseason, but that it's a continuation of what's been, seems like good management at the moment. Whether it will come to fruition, we'll obviously have to see. But the, there's good vibes around there. And I think that can mean a lot uh, for the team going into the season. Yeah, no, of course. The other team uh, we're going to put in the good section and the winner section so far, and bizarrely seems to be a theme here, is the Jags, who also had shitloads of money to spend, but have gone about it in a much more exciting and controlled way uh, than maybe other places have done that we will talk about soon. Uh, they've picked up Malik Jackson for a whole boatload of money. Uh, Gibson, Amukamara, they've added Ivory to pair with Yeldon. They've got Lewis re-signed. They're getting their first round pick from last year joining them, so essentially they're getting two first round picks. Like this is this is a brilliant time for the turnaround. We said this every year though. The Jags are always really well positioned for a turnaround. Yeah, but this time they've got a quarterback who isn't Blaine Gabbard or Chad Henney, so they might actually be well positioned for a, for a turnaround. It's Blake Bortles. <laughs> he's fine though. He's, he's not Chad Henney or Blaine Gabbard. They're probably overpaying Jackson, but that's what the market demands. Yeah. And it, it makes sense, you know, they've had some issues there in, in the uh, in the D-line with players not working out and things like that. Gibson and Amukamara are probably perhaps less convincing and perhaps more just sort of going around for, like, they do need help in the backfield, but just sort of reaching perhaps for those guys. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be key, but they are nice pickups. Ivory's a great one because Yeldon, for all his talent, can't bang like Ivory can, and you've got a nice mm. sort of compliment going on there. So, yeah, like, it's going to be really interesting to see how this pans out for the Jags. I don't think it's as locked down good as the Raiders are. But there's a lot of potential for this to go, to go very, very right for them. And in a weak division, you know. Oh yeah, of course. Like this is this is the thing. It's a division that is that is ripe for the taking, and these type of moves could put them in the right direction. Uh, Fitz, you have anything to add on them? Yeah, because like last off season uh, or the last football season, they put together an, an offense which is exciting. Like they have uh, obviously Blake Bortles, they have Alan Robinson. They have other playmakers like Yeldon. They've added Ivory to that. That could be really exciting, depending how his injuries uh, work out. I think they overpaid him a little bit, but if he and Yeldon make an effective tag team, uh, that will that will really make uh, open up the game even more for those receivers. I think the main thing last year was that their defense was just like pretty awful. And I think they added Malik Jackson. Like they're probably I don't know if he'll live up to his price tag, but he should improve the defense. And I think Gibson and Aki, uh, Makimura are both good, solid defensive pickups. Uh, I don't, I don't think they overpaid too much for either of them. Uh, like they, they overpaid because the market this year was crazy due to the, all the cap space going around. And I think obviously getting Dante Fowler, if Dante Fowler Jr. is half the player that we think he is, that obviously adds a massive thing. Like the defense is where they fell down so hard last year, and if that defense can just be like league average or even higher then that means that offense can really start to show what it is and people could we could finally see the Jaguars turn around. But, of course, this, this sounds a bit like a broken record, obviously, considering uh, past off-seasons. But I think, once again, like the Raiders, it isn't just a sense of that they're buying whatever they can get. They're, like There seems to be a certain like amount of logic and stuff to how they're going about uh, trying to improve this defense and make it a bit better. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, so we're going to move on to the ones that sit in the neutral zone. So the first one we're going to look at in the middle of the pack here is the Giants. They've been doing some interesting things. I'm not as convinced as some people are. 
uh, on them. But like, yeah, so they've they've opened up a bit of space. They've restructured crews who seem to also realise he hasn't been as good as uh, as many were expecting him to be. So that's a positive, I suppose. They're Not spending. Will do that to you. They've uh, spent a lot of money on the defence. They've kept uh, Pierre Paul, the the eight handed or eight fingered monster. So bringing Jenkins, Vernon, they've got in snacks. By the way, I saw I saw a picture of snacks the other day. Jesus Christ! If there's ever a man who looks like he's just artificially keeping on like a hundred pounds of fat, I can totally get when I see pictures like that why people are like these people are not athletes. <laughs> these people are furniture. <laughs> like, they give Vernon some nice bit of money, eighty five. There's a lot of things going on, but I'm not convinced that what they've done is radically change what this team is and what I see this team as being is like a 7-9 to nine win team that can if very lucky go on a run like I don't think you're wrong I think I think that the defence will be better but I think there's enough holes on both the offence and the defence still that I don't think this is a team that has moved into the upper tier I think it's also a team that had limited cap room and has used it all at once uh, on a lot of moves which are which were questionable like Olivier Vernon, obviously he was the top edge rusher on the market uh, after his transition tag was revoked by the Dolphins. And he's obviously a very good player, but this is a player who doesn't really have a long-term like history of being an elite player and is considered kind of undersized for the position. You have someone like Janoris Jenkins, who, like the as we mentioned earlier, the Rams uh, tagged Tremaine Johnson. They had a choice between tagging uh, Jenkins and Johnson, and they chose Johnson. So you have to wonder whether... If the Rams weren't willing to take that decision for him, why are they? Why are the Giants giving him money comparable, actually more than Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson? Like I know free agency is crazy, but that just doesn't look like a long-term good deal. And you know, um, Snacks Harrison, he's an amazing player on the first two downs, but he doesn't really help you on the third down. For the money that he's getting, you expect a three-down player. And overall, it's just weird. Like they got rid of Tom Coughlin. They put McAdoo in charge, and now suddenly uh, Jerry Reese, their GM, is suddenly splurging a ton of money. Like, if I'm Tom Coughlin, I'm probably pretty pissed off, but it just doesn't seem... It seems like a desperation move that Jerry Reese kind of knows that this is his that this is his final chance to like not get kicked out of the, of the Giants. I think the re-signing of JPP is the only one on a, like, on a prove-it deal is the only one I'm like, okay, that was probably good enough, but the rest just seems overpaying for a team which doesn't look like it's going to have a lot of cap space going forward. No, of course. Like, like this is, I think this is the problem I have with this. I'm looking at this and it looks like they're in, like, load up, it's time to go on a run mode. And I just don't see this team as being at that position. Like, Harry? Yeah, it's an attempt to recreate the Super Bowl winning defences. Mm. That's what it is. You know, um, obviously JP, Justin Tuck, people like that. That's what they want to do. Get a nasty, nasty front seven and uh, sort of let Eli derp his way uh. to victory. Now, is it going to work? Probably not. There are still, like, say, a huge amount of holes. Joris Jenkins is a pretty solid cornerback, although my primary memory of him is him getting absolutely ruined by Steve Smith in the season. Oh, yeah. Back, where, uh, yeah, that, yeah don't, don't fuck with Steve Smith. I think we all know that. <laughs> like, the money that they're putting into it doesn't seem to be... This doesn't seem to be worth the money they're putting into it, you know? Um, it's an awful lot, like Ronan says, pretty much obliterates their cap. It could work out. Again, like, they could just get that nasty front seven and go on a run. They could, but it's, it's a big, big gamble. And there is an element of, yeah, this is Jerry Reese's last rodeo. Hope Cruz is healthy. Hope Beckham can play at his level and just let mm. the defense let the defense do its thing. But it is it is a big risk. And if it doesn't work out, and then Reese goes, whoever takes over as GM is going to be left with a bunch of underperforming, overpaid players. And good luck with that. 
Yeah, like the one the one positive they have is that they play in that division where like seven and nine, eight wins could be enough for you. Um it's I'm I'm not convinced by it, but they are they are making a lot of they're making a lot of moves. So maybe there's a plan that we just don't see, but at the moment I, I ain't buying the plan that they're trying to sell. Like speaking of their division, we're now gonna look at the Eagles who again have doing an awful lot of things it's been interesting since they got control of uh, their personnel back they seem to just be saying fuck you Chip Kelly I want to undo absolutely everything you did and they've been doing it relatively successfully in that they've unloaded large contract players now they haven't gained a huge amount for them I think they've got like some seven rounders and some conditionals and stuff but like they're getting rid of players to free up cap space they're being able to say we're going to do our team the way we want to do it it's going to be interesting so like obviously cut Riley Cooper trade Murray Alonzo Maxwell like loads of people gone so they've got Patterson in. He's bringing in his kind of presumably going to be a West Coasty Andy Reid style thing. Nice to see that Philadelphia only got away from the Andy Reid style offense for like two years. But um, signed Daniel. He's been paid an awful lot for a backup quarterback, I think. But I don't know what the internal politics around that is because Patterson seemed to be into him more than he was into Bradford before they re-signed and stuff. But like, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario that's sitting out there. Do we buy what they're doing? Do we think that they are in a position to take it in a different direction than the Chip Kelly experiment seem to be going towards the back end? Yeah, like this isn't so much um, hitting the reset button as Doug Patterson is smashing the reset button into its various like subatomic particles. It's a huge clear out. Yeah, like you said, it's getting rid of Chip's players and it's Pedersen trying to bring in his own guys and guys who will suit his offense. There's no sort of standout in-move that's kind of been like, yeah, that guy's signed, that guy's going to change it. Mm. You can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to get guys who will fit the scheme, solid yeah, solid players, um, re-sign guys who he thinks will fit it, like the tight ends we see yeah. in particular being being uh, signed there. Not sure what the Bradford move is about. That was weird, particularly yeah. given, like you say, what they've decided to pay Chase, Chase Daniel. But look, the quarterback market is just absolutely fucked at the moment, so yeah. they just may not have had any choice if they wanted to get Daniel. That may have just been his market valuation, which is, is nuts, but well, there you we'll, go. We'll be talking about it in a minute, but maybe if Daniels had spent a bit more time in the market, he might have been offered $90 million by, <laughs> like, Texans or something. <laughs> Probably something like that, yeah. So, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this one works out, and I think it's a very difficult one to judge at this point, because it is a huge churn. Mm. And it's actually interesting, because Chip Kelly churned the roster massively when he got in there, and then, obviously, mm. again, subsequent to that, and it didn't work out. This is an attempt to basically clear out, go back to basics, go back to what they had working beforehand reasonably effectively. So I did like. I think I saw someone said uh, essentially what Chip Kelly did to us was he traded uh, he traded Shady McCoy for a conditional seventh round pick two years later. Yeah, more or less. So <laughs> it hasn't been fantastic for 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 Philly. This is the sort of thing that could work, but it's probably not going to make things worse. Yeah, it seems, it strikes me as being like you're saying, kind of a, a bit of a recent thing of a we're not expecting like a, a, we're not expecting a championship out of these guys this year, but it's going to be interesting to see because this seems to be them putting the groundwork in for yeah. where they want to go. Fitz, you have anything to add? Like I, I liked locking up their young core, like players like Salik, like Ertz, like Lane Johnson. Uh, the Bradford move, obviously, uh, somewhat questionable. Uh, I I liked a little bit less, but I still like the cutting out all these people. You know, doing the the salary cap cap dump, and apparently, according to over the cap, uh, those contracts had uh, provisions in them which basically allowed them 
to lose a lot of the guaranteed money like signing bonus stuff that will actually be that dead money will actually be transferred to the team taking on the trade yeah. so apparently there was some clever uh, stuff going on there one thing I don't like like Daniel is a good QB we'll have some kind of QB controversy there the rest of the players they signed are just solid players I think these were all good moves and they were necessary moves for Pedersen coming in but there's no doubting that this team it has less talent on it now than it had last year and certainly the years before that so there, this, there is a bit of a rebuilding going on there but you know Doug Pedersen obviously isn't someone for the flashy players uh, and will be looking to hopefully build a decent solid team when the NFC East that could be enough to get you a playoff spot uh, but I wouldn't be counting on it this season. Yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty much in the same boat there. And that takes us on to uh, our losers so far. Uh, there's been a few more than this, but uh, these are just two in particular. Like, we consider discussing the Browns, but the only thing that's happened to the Browns is they've lost a load of players because no one wants to play there. Oh, and they finally released Johnny Football. Who, by the way, do you see, has, <laughs> has now just, just, just to further cause problems, he's now been like videotaped smoking weed at clubs and stuff. Like, he just, he just cannot do anything right. But yes, our first loser we're going to talk about are the Texans. Oh, God. Um, also, later on when we're doing our, 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 our previews of all the teams and stuff, we've got some input from a, an actual American Texans fan. Uh, so also, if any of you guys have input you want to fire into, those will be doing some emails and, and Twitters and all those internets to, 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 to <laughs> solicit your views. Carry um, Yeah, carrier pigeon if Connor, you want. Connor turns, uh, what's it, 28 or 27? <laughs> And suddenly the internet is just, oh, I don't know what's happening. Am I out of touch? No, it's the children that are out of touch. <laughs> um, is that Tom Cochran or? <laughs> Snapchat. <laughs> oh, God, I hear, I hear their Facebooking on the old Snapchat, Spotify. The Texans have had a pretty good, decent camp situation. They had a nice bit of money there. They had pretty good looking team towards the back end there it like they they were doing okay they fucked up afterwards but like they know they made the playoffs and what have they done now since then they've decided that the crustacean sensation brock lobster is the greatest greatest quarterback they've ever seen so without having him in the stadium to do a tryout without having played him last year without ever having gotten to test him apart from seeing those seven games that he started and played very mediocrely in, uh, that he is worth $72 million over four years. Uh, they're going to pair him with Lamar Miller in the backfield. You know, oh, there's a there's a terrifying combo. <laughs> One good move, I think, is they picked up uh, the guard from KC Allen. I really like him. I, I He was very good for us last year. I would have liked to have seen us keep him. Good God, like, if I am... In the AFC South, I'm happy that even though we're all shit, this team just got shitter. Fitz? Yeah, like, this is all about the Brock Lobster. He's just, I, like, I don't think anyone thinks he's a particularly good quarterback. And they're putting everything on it. And the biggest problem is that this pretty much came down from upstairs, from the owner, uh, Bob McNair, basically saying, we want a quarterback, we need a quarterback, get a quarterback. And then they get the Brock Lobster because he's the best player available, question mark. Hey, he's got a ring. Trent Dilfer has a ring. (laughs) As Brock Lobster was effectively most of the games that he played. Like, you you look at a quarterback who was carried by a defense, like a Super Bowl winning defense, effectively. Never really showed anything to make you think that this is someone who should be getting starter money or should be... You're, you're like uh, like investing starter money in him straight away, and now you're tied to him. 
Bill O'Brien is tied to him. The GM is tied to him. He needs to win immediately, or that team is going to get like that team is going to go up in smoke. This like I don't think it's a loser situation from the sense of this is necessarily um, like bad value money. Like it is bad value money. I think Lamar Miller and Allen are good moves, but this is a move which will define it, and it just stinks of like Kevin Kolb. Uh, kind of area sign or like uh, Matt Flynn type of signing or oh, a backup for a good team we'll bring him in he'll change things and it just never works out that way there's a reason these guys are backups there's a reason that these guys didn't get starting time or didn't get practice reps uh, during the offseason it's because they're not as good as they think they are and I think they've overpaid them and it's going to cost it's going to cost that management both I'm, of their jobs I'm thinking through exactly where they started I'm thinking through the quarterbacks they've had of late and I'm trying to think of who's the last one that they had was it was it Fitzpatrick's last one they had that wasn't like a backup from a better team that they then signed thinking because like because the controversy last year was between two backups like it was yeah well, well Hoyer was the starter in Cleveland but he didn't start out as a starter no. he was the backup and then got to start yeah that's fair like and then Malice was the backup for a few years in New England. New England. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, <laughs> is, are, are we starting to see a pattern? <laughs> Bring back Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Sure, why not at this point? Yeah. Apparently, he, okay. was, he, was, he was too expensive for them, even though they're playing Brock Lobster more than Fitzpatrick is looking for. They should have kept Hoyer, drafted someone like Hackenberg or someone they like in the second, third round, let a QB, like, let the QBs fight it out, and then move forward from there. But this move... I, I don't like it. It's just yeah. I don't at all. It's, it's, it's just so all in for someone who just isn't worth it. Yeah, like like I said, like I I I, I was quite serious. When I was saying it earlier that the whole thing of they're signing him to this deal, which is more money than the Broncos are willing to offer him. The Broncos have invested four years in this guy, trading him as a backup, like having him into the games, looking to keep him on as a player afterwards to be there to be their their starter at quarterback. And those guys have had him in-house for four years, training him and working with him. And they didn't see the value in going to this level of spending for him. Yet these guys who have never played against him, have never trained with him, have never sat down and tested him out, are happy to pay this. And I think that's a big sign when there's a significant difference in what the guys who are invested and understanding of the abilities that a player has decide that you are overvaluing them that much. Yeah, that's probably pretty much it I mean there's no like they've made a mess of this <laughs> they've made a mess of this you've got Brock I can't throw a touch pass Osweiler partnered with Lamar tackled for a loss Miller like it's not a good look and yeah Miller had an up season but he's he's not consistent like and you're trying to replace Aaron Foster's production it's not going to happen I don't know what the plan is here I don't know what what the plan is like obviously they think this is a combo for the future but I'm just not sure it is and but I was researching there to answer your question the last Houston quarterback who was not Backup signed from elsewhere. The last Houston starter, David Carr. Wow! Holy shit! Every single other one of their quarterbacks has it's been, been a, a retread. A, a retread. So you've got yeah, yeah. Chubb, Rosenfels, Yates, Leinart, um, Keenum. But Keenum was never the starter. Keenum, yeah, Keenum, Keenum was, was the backup. Yeah. Fitzpatrick was a backup initially at Tennessee. Then Jake Locker went down. He became oh, the starter. Of course, yeah. yeah so then, they are all just they're all just backups they picked up. I I I can't really throw stones at this because I'm a I'm a KC Chiefs fan. The Chiefs haven't won a game with with a quarterback that they drafted themselves uh, since I think like '82. Like we've always been taking them from other people, <laughs> but we're not we're not picking up people's like oh 
this is this, this this backup who hasn't been able to push past someone on the roster is definitely the future. This, this is a team that has not made. All right, and Connor, a tell me big... how many times you've been in the playoffs over the last twenty years. Uh, we've been in the playoffs seven times over the last twenty years, and we have won one game. The thing that's caught us critically is Houston have never made that big splash at quarterback. Like they haven't drafted them. Um, to be starters and they haven't gone out and signed big free agents ever really they have always been bits and bobs and Osweiler is one of those bits and bobs who's being paid like a superstar yeah I don't. I don't. I just. I actually am just baffled by Houston. I don't get it. I don't get what they're trying to do here. It's. It's. It says a lot when Matt Flynn te- like tweeted out about this today, and he said uh, he's self-aware. But he said, "Look, I know I don't have much of a leg to stand on on this, but these quarterback deals people are getting are crazy." <laughs> oh, this, this came from the owners, and that's always worrying. It's mm. always worrying when the owners decide that they need to decide what the team is doing, and it always, it usually ends badly. It's a Cleveland move. The teams involved. Yeah, bizarrely, what I'm thinking in my head is like I'm just thinking of the general manager in draft day being like, "We need to make a big splash <laughs> move." <laughs> <laughs> Second round picks have no value. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Texans. Jesus Christ, get your shit together! Like this is a, this is this is a division that's ripe for the taking, and you're just shit in the bed. Um, We're going to be looking like chumps in a few months when it turns out Brock Osweiler is actually awesome. Uh, well, the thing is, almost anyone can look very good in that division because it's not <laughs> a very good division. Anyone throwing on the Titan secondary is going to look good. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's almost no way that he doesn't have, like, you all be doubters, but I just had a 500-yard game. And it's like, yeah, like the, the Titans didn't realise that they were only playing nine players because no one knew, told them what a defensive scheme is. Like... <laughs> it's not gonna. By the way, sorry, Titans fan. <laughs> uh, the final team that we think have been doing particularly poorly are the Dolphins. Holy fuck! What's going on here? Like seriously. So they're fucked for money. Uh, they've restructured Sue. What are what are they What are they trying to do here? Just in general. They've let people go who might have been vaguely valuable pieces that they could have held on to. They've got no money. They've got no hope. Like, they're in your division, Harry. Can you explain these moves? I love my team being in the AFC East. Like, as much as I was making up fun about uh, the Jets and RG3 for some unfathomable reason, the Dolphins are the which made the worst free agency. I don't know I don't know what the Dolphins do. And listen, bear in mind, this is a team, right, they're in a uh, division with the Jets who have no quarterback. Um... <laughs> And the Dolphins somehow just look like the worst team in that division. There is no direction here. They made a huge mistake with Sue, and they looked at that and went, we have learned nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they bring in Mario Williams. Mm-hmm. This is going to go exactly the same way. You've got two extremely talented players, both of whom have, as we've shown, when things do not go their way, just stop playing because they don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, what makes you think that this is going to be any different to what you've done? What makes you think that he's not, like, he's worth that money? Then you bring in one of those guys from, from, from Philadelphia. It's like... Yeah, with massive not, fucking contracts exactly, to pay as well. To, like, a lot, okay, Alonso's a, a decent player when he's healthy. Maxwell has been really poor, I think, in Philly, to be honest with you. Um, given where, especially given his, his prior performances. Uh, Brent Grimes, who is, yeah, aging, but basically the only good player in their secondary is gone. Mm. Also another move that makes no sense. They keep Wake and let Vernon go. 
Again, because you don't need the young guy. You want, you want the old guy, not the young guy. And I, like, it, it's amazing. But they're, they're kicking the can down the road with the salaries. That's all they're doing. And they're just this is mounting up and mounting up. And eventually this is going to hit the place where they're just going to have to cut a bunch of people because they can't afford them anymore. I just, I just love the idea of like, because isn't, isn't there a famous basketball player uh, who's who's still getting paid? He's still one of the highest paid sports people in the world last year, having even though he hadn't played for... I think nine years at that point. Just the, the the agreement he signed was he was getting like he's getting like eighteen million a year for ten years after he was no longer playing. Oh That's ridiculous. Well, then again, Detroit paid <laughs> paid Sue to go to Miami last year. So, but mm. no, like this is the thing about Miami. This is headless chicken mode to an extent because they they were a team and last year in the offseason there was a huge amount of hype for them. They're putting it all together. They've got all this talent. They've got these big name signings, and it all just fell to pieces. The team's confidence went to pieces. Their coach was fired. Their Interim coach came in and looked like he initially was doing fair, well. It wasn't then. exactly an inspiring coach they had to start with. No, 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 no. But that's the point. The team that they got the coach, the team got the coach fired. The coach got the coach fired. But you know what I mean. Things were going badly. Is the point. Then they brought in um, uh, Campbell, and that looked there's a brief false dawn, and then everything fell to pieces again. They appear to Adam Gase has come in and like working with obviously a bunch of the same uh, personnel seems to have just repeated those things, being like, well, this time it will stick. And there's nothing to me to indicate this is going to be any different for last, from last season to Miami. They haven't really addressed the issue, and their big issue, right, is that their O-line sucks. Yeah. And has sucked for a long time, and they have done absolutely nothing about that. And the problem is when Tannehill starts getting beat up, Tannehill's confidence goes down the toilet, everything falls to pieces, the team has no leadership, the defense stops playing, and Miami are, like, I just don't see why this isn't going to happen again for Miami. Uh, well, no, I, th- I think the reason it's not going to happen for Miami is that at least at the start of last season they had hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they can't go any lower. They're already in the hole. <laughs> it's like, look, lads, just keep digging. We're closer to Australia than we are to getting back out of this hole. It come out be an NRL team on the other yeah. side. Like it. It's like, oh, we've just signed Jared Payne. <laughs> uh-huh. um, Fitz, any, any, sorry, Hayne, not Payne. Ah. Jared Payne, Payne, Payne's Ireland, Ireland rugby international. That's why. That's it was also yeah. Antipodean, but yeah. 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 Um Oh, by the way, have either of you guys been following the... Sorry, Fitz, actually, yeah, we'll go to you for the Dolphins stuff. I'm already done with discussing the Dolphins. Uh, go on, Fitz. <laughs> Two good things. They released Greg Jennings, finally. Make a rest in peace. Uh, and Pieces. Getting rid of Grimes gets rid of his wife, so at least she won't be <laughs> pissing over Tannehill anymore. There's been, there's been uh, at least so two different organizations have said that her... He'll need all the confidence he can get this season. Like, the worst thing, I think, is that the they shut, double down on their mistakes. When they restructured Sue, they give him a big signing bonus, so here's a big pile of money for Sue, and that means that his signing bonus will be prorated over the next few years, so they're not getting rid of Sue, no matter how much of a disruptive influence it is. And we saw last year... He was a disruptive influence. He was basically going in and saying, I'm the big boys. Why can't you all be great like me, effectively? And well, shit in the like bed. That's, like, that's just the opposite of what you want from your locker room leader. You know, leader in inverted commas, obviously. They've got older on the defensive line, which was like one of the areas where they were supposedly strong last year. They're older. They haven't fixed their problems. And now they're, they're bedded into this problem. I think this is the opposite of what you should have had, Radham Case. You should have recognized that you made mistakes in the past. Like, recognize that this might be a bit of a write-off of the season, but, like, hit, like, you know, eat those salary cap hits from Sue, uh, from Cameron, etc. And then, like, say, we're like we're going to take a few years to rebuild this back up and fix this. Like, and, and that will give you an opportunity to at least, like, not put all the pressure on people like Tannehill, who doesn't really look like the solution anymore. So this is a team which is... Uh, doubled down when really it, it looked like it was time for a restructure uh, for like for blowing it back up and trying to fix this team. Very bad off season. Sadness reigns supreme. I love the East. There's it's not sad the Browns. 
Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they're, 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 they're just not doing anything. They're just, they're just sitting there as like good players leave, and all the players that are left are just like the fuck, guys. Like you told us you weren't going to do this again. Yeah, it's just thing about like it, it, it's not quite as sad as the Browns. That's because you know. Miami are making their own problems whereas Cleveland are just victims of circumstance at this point and nobody wants to play them there and they brought in Hugh Jackson all this like oh people want to play for Hugh nope yeah not in, not in Cleveland they the don't one thing, sashi the one thing that means is that that means that the Browns like I think the one good thing about what the Browns did and like obviously we're talking about just the next person like, we were talking about proactive teams here we're talking about one team who was inactive like basically Hugh Jackson like presumably will not have much pressure to deliver in the first season probably two seasons okay. considering what's happened so that gives him a time to actually build that team up something which Adam Gase won't get with the moves that being made so that's one advantage for the Browns at least the yeah. complete lack of hope for this season <laughs> that's right fair yeah low expectations like obviously there's lots, lots of stuff has happened around the league we're not going to go into it all because it's Fuck shit, loads of stuff. So was like, we've got a list up in front of us here of stuff we were like, we might talk about this. <laughs> There's so many names, I've started to forget who some of these people are. <laughs> it's just very, very, very meh. Like, those are, those are the main guys that are kicking off. Those are the ones that we think are the big moves. Like, the problem with free agency is sometimes it's the stuff that they do that is good is less visible. Like, KC did a good job in retaining a lump of talent rather than necessarily getting new people in, which I thought was good. New England have done a similar thing of they've restructured some deals. Tom Brady's in a much better position for them cap-wise. It's not so much... Hogan! (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Scrappy white receivers. receivers. Scrappy white receivers. That's what we do. Mm. That's what we do. Except Amandola, he's shit. Cole Beasley will be waiting by his phone. (laughs) Bill, Bill, I'm here. Come on, Bill. (laughs) How hilarious do we reckon the Sanchez will be in Denver? I am so excited. Like, he's going to get benched for Von Miller. Like, that is... It would be amazing. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just love so how depressing that's going to be to watch. Because it's, just like, cause it's still going to be... Now, they're missing some pieces. It's still going to be an incredibly good defense. And it's just going to be just watching terrible quarterbacks just fuck it up for them. I'm just like... Just, just thinking, like, just divisionally, like... The Chiefs have retained most of their defense. And that was a very good defense. The Raiders have made their defense significantly stronger. We talked about that already. The San Diego Chargers will account for two wins. That is going to be a brutal division for the Sanchez or like Matt Flynn, maybe or <laughs> like. like I'm, What's Brett Favre doing these days? Um, what's his name? The uh, Josh Freeman, maybe. Josh Freeman is the rap. Johnny Football hasn't found a home yet. Oh God. The big debate, obviously, is over Denver continuing to try to get Kaepernick from San Francisco. Yeah. Apparently, Denver value him at only at a fourth rounder, and the San Francisco are holding out for a second rounder. Yeah, it and, seems the, like a- and the Browns are interested, but they're discussing about... They only want uh, him if they can restructure the contract, but the Denver yeah. are happy to take the contract as is, but only if they have to give a fourth rounder. Because to be fair, like, it is a very team friendly contract in that it's essentially every year is a prove it year like you can cut him with essentially no problems yeah I thought like I thought one interesting thing was in the wide receiver market a couple of guys got a couple of Cincinnati wide receivers got way overpaid yeah uh, obviously got paid by Detroit uh, got by trade by Atlanta Marvin Jones got paid a lot by Detroit obviously trying to replace Megatron there so there wasn't really much there but you also on the other hand side see these like these veterans Roddy White gets cut, Andre Johnson gets cut, Mike Wallace gets cut, uh, Greg Jennings gets cut. So you kind of see 
there's kind of a, a, a sea change happening there in the league for a certain generation of players. Or in the case of Mike Wallace, it's more of you know uh, <laughs> being found out for being a, a one a one speed person. Mike yeah. Wallace had a one year prove it deal to uh, to the Steelers to fill in the Bryant hole, maybe. I coming home. Yeah, like he'll he'll pick he'll get picked up somewhere, but I don't think he'll he'll he'll, mm. he'll um, I don't think he's ever going to become anything more than what he is, which is. Like a, a good, I like from a good, like speed guy. That's about it. This is going to sound like a really stupid um, question, possibly, but um, because he's suspended for the year and he can't play, I presume they're not paying a salary for that year because I know they they that that a temporary suspension does, but like in the same way, like the the like the Jags aren't paying the annual salary of Justin Blackman when he's in, indefinitely suspended and stuff. Does that mean that that frees up his money for them for this year to then, if they could get a one-year prove-it deal, put that money towards that? I think it does, but I don't think it's that much money anyway because he's still on a rookie. Yeah, he's and he, he, was he a third rounder or something? Yeah, he's not on one of them. Yeah, fair enough. He's not massive. massive. So one thing actually, speaking of, of receivers and also of Cleveland, one move I actually really like, um, and I think there's a lot of potential to work out, is uh, Travis Benjamin. In yeah. San Diego. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the one thing when we were joking about San Diego, I was thinking that's a nice addition for them. Uh, I currently have them uh, coming off this afternoon. Uh, they had Casey Hayward, they had Benjamin, and they had Brandon Meebane as their major signings. I think yeah. Brandon Meebane is he's from the Seahawks. He was a good um, a defensive tackle, and Hayward is a is a is like a nickel cornerback from Green Bay. Mm. There was a lot of holes in that team is the only issue, but it's hard to tell obviously with all the injuries they had last season. Like they could be a sleeper, but at the moment, uh, you know, we're we're putting more bets on them to stay asleep. Well, one other <laughs> like one other contract that surprised me is that Pacman Jones got paid uh, a lot or relatively a lot. Like of the Cincinnati defensive backs that they had, like Leon Hall, etc. I wasn't expecting Pacman to be the one to get the first uh, bite of the cherry, uh, considering the issues that he's had uh, <laughs> in the postseason this year. Yeah, Jones played really well last year, I guess. So yeah. yeah. Fun, fun, fun start of the day that I read when I was at work meant to be working. This is the first time in 20 years that the Bills have five returning O-linemen. Or five returning starting O-linemen or whatever. But like, it's the first time they've had that continuity in 20 years. That's mad. Guys, there's, 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 lots, there's lots of people still left out there. If you were to pick one free agent that's left out there, who are you interested in seeing where they land? i got to say, Freddie Morris. Mm. I want to see where he ends up. I think he's. Uh, I'm actually surprised he hasn't been signed yet. Yeah, he's an extremely talented running back. And yeah, look, I don't. I do not know what Washington were playing at last season with their backfield situation, where yeah, like they confusing. just managed to split it up in such a way they made everybody ineffective. Uh, I think he looked like their best running back at the time, and that was on a team that was just all over the shop in general. His run blocking was non-existent. We know he can play. We know he also can fit quite well into spread style offenses, which are still going around West Coast as well. He can't catch. Which is a problem. His pass protection is decent, but he's a good runner. He's a hard guy to tackle. Yeah. And he's got a good instinct for hitting the hole. So I'm, I'm quite surprised that he hasn't been picked up yet. Um, and there are teams that need there are teams that need that need help in that position. Yeah. So it seems odd to me. Like there's a guy who could reliably get you 1,200 yards if you you know if you, if you fit him into the right scheme easily. And, he, and he's young as well. Yeah. He's young, and I, I I don't know why he hasn't been looked at yet. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I think there's a lot of teams he could improve. The backfield of I would love, love, love exactly. I would love to see him in New England. I think mm. he would work so well That's in New a very England. Pass yeah, no. The, pro- the problem is he can't catch passes, which 
we do kind of require from our running backs the exception of being Legarrette Blunt, but Morris isn't quite as much of a banger as Blunt, but he's more dynamic. So I'd happily see him. I'd love us. I'd love to see us pick him up. Yeah, no, fair enough. What about yourself, Fitz? Like, I think there's an intriguing set of like offensive linemen out there. Uh, Russell Okun, yeah, who's representing himself, uh, but has a shoulder injury, could be interesting. You have someone like Beecham, who's like the Steelers' left tackle up till he tore his ACL last season. Mm. You have someone like uh, Allen from the Raiders. Uh, no, sorry, Donald Penn from the Raiders. Like you have a few interesting like tackles out there that haven't got paid yet. It's obviously a position which, if there was a, a no risk player, would have got paid a lot, as we saw with Osemele. But there's a few left tackles that are going to be shaking around there, I think, and it could be interesting to see where they end up and see if they are improving somewhere else. Uh, I'm not looking forward to the Seahawks if they don't sign a left tackle on those three uh, next year, considering their, their pre-existing O-line issues. So that's why I'm particularly interested in it. But yeah, there's a few interesting uh, kind of offensive linemen out there uh, that could kind of high risk, high reward coming off injuries or a bit older on the older side. No, of course. Like to be honest, I would have I would have gone with Freddie Morris myself. I think he's the one that I'd be the most interested in. But uh, one that I do think is interesting, just because I think I think it's going to be the start of a very quick and very aggressive stream of what's going to happen afterwards. Is uh, where does RG three land? And then where, wherever he lands and where that leaves afterwards, then we'll steam more of the, 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 the pressure on the, like, what's happening with Kaepernick, what's happening with... Because there's not, there's not really much, even in the backup market at the moment there, for QBs. And there's going to be teams looking at getting, like, essentially a backup QB to be a starter. Like, it's going to become a very, very high-pressured situation in the quarterback's market. And I think... The point at which someone says we're going to take a punt on RG3 is the point that that all kicks off. Yeah. But yeah, sure, look, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that, that'll do for our, for our free, free agency stuff so far, I think. That's fair enough. Uh, we've, done, we've done a lot of it. So just so people know what we're up to for the next while, uh, we're going to be doing a draft preview podcast uh, in about two weeks' time, three weeks' time. Just kind of running out people who are coming up, people who be good, running it at different positions, that kind of stuff. Then about two weeks after that, we're going to do a mock draft where we're going to get, you guys can get involved as well if you want to drop us a message. Uh, we're going to do a full first round. Uh, in fact, I think just, just to stick it to Harry, we're going to do the second pick for the Titans so we get a full 32 teams picking because you're <laughs> filthy cheaters. Oh, we're going to see how you, you were dot draft picks as well. Yeah, third rounds. And we're going actual to get, And we're going to get them back. The big one that we're going to do, uh, and it should be a bit of crack, is we're planning at the moment to do a, a live cast from the draft. Not from the draft. From like Harry's house or my house from the draft. Uh, so it'll just be us drunk for about three hours discussing stuff. And then we'll probably have to do a follow-up podcast the following morning. Just be like... By the way, you know the way I said Junior Galette is the greatest prospect? Uh, yeah, I was, I was I was a bit wrong on that. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sure we're discussing Junior Galette at the draft show, but that's how drunk we're going to be. But, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're like, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that Joe Montana kid's got a, got a lot of potential. Yeah. A lot of potential. So good. Uh, we're also then going to be starting into our full off-season stuff after the draft. So we're going to be going division by division through all the teams there, where they sit, what their needs are, what their... You know, schedules look like, how we see them going, strengths, weaknesses. We've got a really, real deep dive on those. So uh, we'll be looking for people who are fans of different teams to, to give us their input as well. So that'll be quite uh, quite fun. And yeah, that'll be a good crack. Uh, sure, that'll, that'll keep you going for now. Uh, any crack for the rest of the week, lads? I know we said uh, you're working for Paddy's Day. 
uh, Ronan's getting drunk for Paddy's Day. Apart from that, anything else? No, it's just uh, more political fun at the weekend, and then uh, I, I don't know for some reason the nineteenth of March just seems like a significant date in my head, but I don't know. I think it's when I'm getting. No, I have no idea. Um, I, I see why I'm getting drunk. It's a Saturday, so yeah, probably mm. making making plans though potentially for the potential to. Uh, as we heard, uh, the All Blacks in Ireland are going to be playing at Soldier Field, and so in November. So that's something I might be looking into heading mm. over to America for. Yeah, I'm also thinking about. Uh, now that we discuss this further close to the time and stuff and we'll probably try and do a bit of coverage of it but uh, there is a college football game on here in Dublin uh, coming up this year it's uh, the Georgia are taking on Boston it's Georgia Tech yeah Georgia Tech sorry taking on Boston uh, so it should be an interesting enough one uh, to be honest it looks so much better than any of the fucking games that are on over in Wembley this year so uh, <laughs> suck it England <laughs> oh. Yeah, come on, Ireland finally got an NFL game and it would be like the Titans and the Browns. Mm. <laughs> I know it would be Pittsburgh because the Rooney's attachments. P- Pittsburgh the Giants. Yeah. The Rooney's the Yeah, be great. Uh, should they... The Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh played a preseason game here before. Uh, Back in 93? A long time ago they did, yeah. 93, right. 94. Yeah, that would have been good fun. Don't forget that during the off-season that we've been publishing these weekly digests. Oh, have we? Uh, I thought that was just you. <laughs> 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 yeah, true. Um... <laughs> With the reach of one, two people. But they're interesting enough. Hey, we got four on the last one. Nice yeah. Some interesting articles. I've already got one uh, this week from uh, a statistics blog. Comparing predicted fantasy points against actual fantasy points over the last three seasons. Uh, and comparing the ones from each different site. So I presume, I presume basically the, 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 the result is these people don't know how statistics work. <laughs> You know, when I was in, in our fancy league at the start of the season, after we draft, they do a little thing where I just add up the projected points on NFL.com just to draw like a little table up of who thinks that's the best team. Because um, you have a really, really exciting personal life. <laughs> look, it's, it's that or masturbating until I'm dead. So, you know. Um, but I remember one, one of going all day, it's just spitting dust. <laughs> dust? Oh, no. I wish it was dust. Um, I'm so dehydrated from <laughs> masturbating. But um, one of the things that was about projected points, it was a really weird anomaly, in that the highest projected points were for LeGarrette Blunt hmm. for a running back, which was... What? Was there something yeah, weird? Another... Like he had thrown a touchdown or something? Not LeGarrette Blunt. No, no, but as in like on his projected oh, ones. I remember, oh, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember there's some really weird ones, like people had like projected things like... His, his running back is going to throw four touchdowns and throw for 600 yards. You're like, <laughs> what? How far are these fields he's throwing these touchdowns on? But no, that should be good. So, so a bit of crack for Paddy's Day. Uh, have a bit of fun. So I suppose we'll just say goodbye and we'll get on with a couple more points. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye from Harry. Slom. And goodbye from Ronan. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he's so oh, good. God. Thank you.